0: Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. We're going to turn again in God's Word to that marvellous second chapter of Acts that we read right at the beginning. And I'm going to read from verse 31. Peter is preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, you know what's happened because we've read it already. They waited as the Lord Jesus asked them to. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you have received the promise from on high. That's too good a promise not to wait for an experience for themselves. And they waited, and the Spirit of God came. And as a result, the Spirit of God caused them to spill out of their little room and out into the public streets, but not just into one culture, but into all the languages of the people in Jerusalem who were there. Pentecost is about the breaking in and out of the kingdom of God into every tribe and nation through his church by people going out and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So all this has happened, Peter's given his explanation for it, and he continues to preach. Verse 31, he's speaking about King David, and King David's prophecy. He says, seeing what was to come, he, David, spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay." God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, for all who are afar off, for all, whom the Lord our God will call. It was Maya Angelou, the great black American writer and poet, who once wrote, I have great respect for the past. If you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you are going. And she went on to say, but I'm also a person of the moment. I'm here. I do my best to be centred at the place I am, And then I go forward to the next place. I think those words are really fitting for us today here on Pentecost Sunday. Since on this day, right around the world, the Church of Jesus looks back to an event 2,000 years ago that literally changed the world. As Maya Angelou says, it's important to look back and remember where we came from. But each time we look back, we also have to remind ourselves of Peter's Spirit-inspired sermon, that we are people who have a history in the past, but we are also people who are very much living today in today's reality and with our eye on the future, on what could be in the purposes of God. You see, here in this passage, Peter says something very important that we need to hear this morning, and he says this, the promise is for you. And for your children, for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Spirit inspires Peter to make it clear that the promise of power to know and to live for Jesus Christ was made historically, but the word of God is alive over us this morning. The promise is for you and for your children, for all who are afar off, for as many as the Lord our God shall call. And those of us who are disciples here 2,000 years later, friends, that promise still remains for us. Here we are today, the latest generation of what was Bridge Street Church and is now Bridge Community Church, a history of more than 100 years. And we have a marvellous history, some of it public knowledge, some of it very privately, but we have seen the grace and the power of God operate amongst us through his spirit over this whole century. Those days in 1927, where we know historically that when George Jeffreys came, the spirit of God fell and 2,100 people gave their lives to Christ one way or another during a 10-day campaign, there were healings. And subsequent to that, there have been healings. There have been people filled with the Holy Spirit, people prophesied over accurate words, people who have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the roundabout three years we've been on this site, well in excess of 150 people have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, just in three years. It's probably a lot more than that, but 150 plus that we know of. God is still at work today in us and amongst us. But today we need to be reminded of two important truths. God has not called us for our history. He's called us in today's reality. And secondly, it is not automatic that we walk into a future of blessings if we don't think about how we live our lives today. It's not automatic. And so I sense in Peter's words that there is a call for us to remind ourselves that the promise of God is for us. Now, when Jesus talked with his disciples in John 16 and verse 7, he tells them something they do want to hear and something they don't want to hear. Imagine being with Jesus for three years, watching him die, watching him raised from death, only for him to come to you one day and say, well, actually, guys, I'm going now. I'm leaving for heaven. And he says to them, it's good for you that I am going away. I want to say to you, I think if I was in that group, I would really struggle to see what was good for me about that in that moment. What? Don't go. Please don't go. Please stay. We need you. We love having you here. We love you, Jesus. Don't go. Don't leave us. What are we going to do? But Jesus says it's good for you that I go. Because if I don't go, then the advocate, the spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. There isn't time to go into detailed explanation this morning, but, but what we learned is this. Jesus is not abandoning his church. He is sending one the same as him, God the Holy Spirit, to be in and with every believer in him. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will come to his people. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, was limited by his human body to one particular geographical location at one particular time. But, he says, when I've ascended to heaven... When the Spirit comes, there will be no such limitation on Him. He'll be able to move everywhere, in many, many hearts and thousands of lives at one go, in all the darkest corners of the earth. The Spirit of God is coming. He's one the same as me, and He's going to empower you to work and to change lives. The Holy Spirit, friends, is God the Holy Spirit. He works in perfect harmony with God the Father and God the Son. They don't have separate agendas. And the Holy Spirit came to witness to us that we belong to Jesus, to empower us to live and to work and to serve and to love for him. So whenever a person becomes a Christian, the Spirit comes and dwells inside them. If you are a believer here this morning and you've asked God to forgive your sins on the strength of Christ's death and resurrection, and you've invited him to be Lord of your life, the Spirit of God has come into you according to God's word. But we must also understand this truth. The book of Acts, as well as elsewhere in the New Testament, teaches us it is possible to be filled or full of the Holy Spirit. There are some kind of people who tell us that what happened on the first day of Pentecost is not for us today. That the Spirit was given in great power because the church needed a booster right at the start. And in that power, it was able to go on and grow and to succeed. That's what they say. And it may be true to say that there are very few, if any, subsequent references to people seeing flames of fire over their head when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it may be true to say that there are very few, if any, subsequent uh, Recordings of people hearing the sound of a mighty rushing wind when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Those things may be true. Nonetheless, the words of Peter in verse 39 are also true. He says, the promise is for you. Let me say it to you again this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the word of God concerning the things of the Spirit is still live over us as a congregation. This is vital because God has not called us for our history. He's called us for today. For all that he wants to do today and tomorrow and next week and in the years that lie ahead. He's come to power us to live and to love and to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've come to this conclusion, and if you disagree with me, disagree with me lovingly and gently. I think the Bible teaches a number of things about a spirit-filled believer I think a spirit-filled believer knows that he or she has been born again by the Spirit of God. I grew up in a Christian family. I knew what it was to pray from a very young age. I knew the hymns. I'd heard many sermons. I was basically a good person, as you can be in your early youth, uh, when you have grown up in a Christian family, hadn't faced the temptations of the world. Nonetheless, as a very young child, I suddenly realized my need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Some of you, if I said to you, when did you become a Christian? You say, well, I was born in a Christian family. But when I press harder with you, you say, but the Scripture Union came to my school one day, and I went forward, and I was prayed for, and I gave my life to Christ. Or or I was in church service, and the preacher preached, and and I responded to the appeal that day. A spirit-filled believer knows they've been born again of the Spirit of God. And then a spirit-filled believer knows that they've been sanctified. You see, when you give your life to Christ, you become right in God's eyes. God forgives you of all your sins, past, present, and future. You're right in his eyes. Nonetheless, there is also a work of the Holy Spirit in sanctifying us, in making us more like Jesus that takes place. A spirit-filled believer knows the sanctifying, the life-changing, the holiness-making work of the Spirit in their lives. And then also I believe that the Spirit-filled believer is aware of a moment in their lives when there was an increase or intensification of the Spirit's work in them in which they were filled by him. And on this Pentecost Sunday, the first thing I want to say to you again is this. That promise is for you. That promise is for you. The fullness of the Spirit is not an optional extra for special people or the super spiritual. It's God's heart for us all. There are young adults here and there are young people here. And I implore you this morning, seek God for the fullness of his Holy Spirit. Those early disciples waited for 10 days. If it takes you 10 years, seek for the fullness of God. Tell God you want everything he's got for you. If you want to live a life of adventure or excitement, there are many, many avenues you can take when you leave this place. I call on you this morning. Seek the face of the living God. Ask him to fill you with everything he wants to give you. See, we have a need to wait on God until he fills us. According to Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, wait in for 10 days. They waited for 10 days and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Phil Moore makes this observation, of his commentaries many times, I encourage you to get them still. And, and this observation can sometimes be true of our generation, sometimes. He says this, Jesus calls us to wait for the fullness of the Spirit. We, on the other hand, would rather not wait. We'd rather look to a Christian celebrity or the latest Christian paperback as a catch-all solution to the problems we face. They are not. God is looking for men and women who love him and are filled with his spirit. Over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Steve has spoken to us so well about the Lord's Prayer. And in the first week when he was speaking, that phrase that he used that's in the prayer, thy kingdom come, that just occupied my mind. I couldn't shake it. You see, it seems to me the coming of the kingdom of God is inextricably linked with the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Read the history. It's there. So perhaps if we're going to see. The person the work of the Spirit. In greater measure. If we're going to see God's kingdom come. More than we have ever seen with our eyes before. Perhaps it's linked to the words of Jesus. In Matthew 6.33. Who says. Seek first. The kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added. on." Un- to you. It's a priority now for me. It's what Jesus is saying. I think about Matthew 5 and verse 6 and the Beatitudes are part of my praying regularly, almost daily, and I think about that middle Beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they should be filled. There's a hunger being stirred up for us in the Scriptures. There's a deep desire that God wants us to have for the things of the Spirit and the things of his kingdom. The word of God talks with passion. Seek first. Blessed are those who seek. We need to seek, friends, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So perhaps if we want to experience all the fullness of what God wants to do, that's what we need, a heart to seek him. Friends, those early believers knew something of the power of the Holy Spirit. They read about it in their scriptures. They know that the power of the Spirit could come upon David and he could write songs or fight giants or whatever he could do with the power of the Spirit of God upon him. They remembered Samson and his incredible supernatural strength. When the Spirit of God came upon him, there was nothing that he couldn't face. But for the first time on this day of Pentecost, they began to experience that power for themselves. And Peter reminds us as we look back on the first Pentecost, the promise is for you, or the manifestation of it may not be the same. The way that God works out the fullness of his Spirit in your life may not be the same as it is for me, or for Samson, or for David, or for Peter, or for Paul, but there is a fullness of the Spirit available to us, and if God has promised it, we need to seek it with all we've got. What's really interesting about Peter in the early chapters of Acts, is he doesn't seem to be satisfied with the fullness of the Spirit. Chapter 2 tells us he's one of those in the upper room. He's filled, speaks in tongues. He's propelled out onto the streets of Jerusalem to declare the good news about Jesus. Then Acts chapter 4, verse 8, he experienced the fullness of the Spirit again. Then Acts chapter 4, verse 31, he's one of the group where it says all were present and all were filled with the Holy Spirit. Once was not enough for him. Once was not enough. Hello. We've got a visitor. Hello. Hello. Hiya. Do you want to come and see me? Okay. Okay. We're a bit lost, aren't we? Okay. Chapter 4, Peter is experiencing the fullness again and again and again. Look, if one time wasn't enough for Peter, it's not enough for us. We need to seek for the fullness of the Spirit. I wonder this morning if there are two desires in God's heart. A desire that some of us have perhaps resisted the things of the fullness of the Spirit. Maybe you've seen it badly handled. Maybe you've seen some really silly behavior. People acting up and it's been very off-putting for you. Those things can happen. Maybe you said, that's that's just not for me. And, And I wonder if this morning that God is saying, actually, it is for you. And it doesn't have to be like the stuff you've seen in the past. I can do a personal work in you, which will transform your life and fill you with my presence. I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was in a room with a whole bunch of young people, a weekend away for the youth. Never, ever think it's just time off that you're getting parents. Pray for them while they're away. We were all sitting in a circle and we'd broken bread together, we were worshipping very, very, very quietly. And as we worshipped, I suddenly found myself speaking in other tongues. Not loud, not shouting, not demonstratively, just like the Holy Spirit took over and I was speaking a language I hadn't learned. Wonderful. And if I went around this room, that would be the experience of loads and loads and loads of people. It's not always, in fact, very, very rarely, the dramatic, ostentatious kind of stuff that shows you up in public. God meets you where you are, fills you with his spirit. I encourage you this morning. If God is speaking to you, don't neglect those things. Let him fill you with his spirit. And maybe there are others here. For a period in your life, You also knew what it was to live in the fullness of the Spirit. It was something that was such a central part of your life. Life's got busy. Maybe life has got hard. Maybe difficult, challenging circumstances have come your way. And it's all on the back burner. It was for then. You don't feel it's for now. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning. Get seeking to be filled with the Spirit again. Some of you in this room, I remember when you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some came back from a conference or from some special day away. Sometimes in the days of old you gave your testimony on the platform. I was here. God filled me with the Spirit. I spoke in tongues or I prophesied or I just knew an overwhelming sense of his presence. I want to encourage you this morning, church. The promise is for you. It's not just for 2,000 years ago or for 1927 or for somewhere else. The promise is for us that we might be a Spirit-filled people seeking all that God has for us the promises to you according to scripture Time's nearly gone but I want you to notice the promises for your children what do you pray for your children each week see it depends who you call your children There are 800 children in round figures who come here every week, whether it's Kids Club on Monday or Sunday school today or Mums and Tots during the course of the week or somewhere else. There are 800 kids that come to the church. What are we praying for them and what are we exampling to them? The clear teaching of Acts chapter 2 is that God wants to bless with his spirit old and young, male and female. We've made a statement as a church, we're here together for the nations and together for the generations. And the promise is for the next generation coming through, God says through his word, the promise is for them. See, in Acts 19, Paul arrives in Ephesus in a church that is a fledgling church there. And he listens to the disciples talk. Luke, in his description of this story, calls them mathētai. It's the Greek word for disciples. It's the same word that Luke uses elsewhere for Christian disciples. And the same word he uses to describe uh, disciples in other parts of the scripture. These 12 followers of Jesus were followers and disciples of him, but they had an incomplete understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. They had not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. They were mathitai. But there was a dimension of their lives that was missing. They needed the Spirit's power. And again, friends, let me say this to you. God has not called us for our history. God has called us for now. If we're going to make an impact now as our generation, but also on the generation that is currently meeting downstairs in those two rooms and on two or three floors of the building opposite, we need to encourage them also to be like us and to be Spirit-filled people. They need to see it in my personal life. They need to see it in my home life. We need to see the power of the Holy Spirit in our marriages as we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to see the power of the Holy Spirit in our gatherings when we come together and the way that we deal with each other. We need to be matheti, disciples, full of the Holy Spirit. And they need to hear and see it from us. Some years ago, Martin Scott came to visit us. They, they were great days, 2008, I think 2007. Martin's a fine prophet, a man with a tremendous grip of theology too. That helps. It's a great combination, let me tell you. And I remember him coming and prophesying. He was one of the people who prophesied in 2008 that whole projects would be paid for out of the city. We weren't even on this site then. And as he prophesied, he prophesied over leaders, and he prophesied over one of the mothers, here in the church. He told her there was a strong prophetic anointing in her, but that she'd faced much intimidation. And this intimidation had wanted to frustrate the gift God had given her. And then he said these words. He said, I break that off you, because I declare that these things are for you, and they are for your children, declares the Lord. These things are for you, And they are for your children. When I was preparing this morning, those words came so strongly back to me that I feel the need to declare them over you. Because I think they're in line with the word of God. So I want to declare over you as a congregation, over us as a people this morning, these things are for you, declares the Lord, and they are for your children. These things are for you, and they are for your children. The promise, says Peter, is for you and your children. May God help us to pray for our children, to talk about and demonstrate the things of the Spirit in such a way that we create in them the same thirst and hunger we have for the things of God and the things of His Spirit. Then as we close, Peter adds the promises to those who are far off, to as many as the Lord our God shall call. When the Spirit's promised in Act 1, verse 8, Jesus says, Jesus says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. And the early church knew it. I love reading the early chapters of Acts. I love reading about their attitude, their commitment. You read about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, and they've been told by the authorities they've got to stop preaching what they're they're preaching. The authorities tell them, don't do this anymore. Finish. That's it. We don't want to hear any more of your message. And the Bible says, they replied, and they said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't, you can't, we can't bottle it in. We can't contain it. You can ask us to stop, but sorry, we just can't. It overflows out of us. We can't stop speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. The final verse of Acts 5 comes after the description of the Apostles' imprisonment and their beating for the sake of the Gospel. And it says this, they, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of the Messiah. Spirit-enabled people. Spirit-filled people. They never stopped. The beating didn't stop them. The imprisonment didn't stop them. The opposition didn't stop them. They knew the risen Lord Jesus Christ and they served him in the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. It's easy for us to look back at the first Pentecost, marvel at it, be amazed by it, be excited by it, then go from here and have some lunch, and maybe slump in front of the telly, or talk with family, and I hope many of you will come out tonight on this Pentecost Sunday, and then tomorrow's another day and another week. But I think God is calling us to be men and women who are seeking to be filled with everything that he has for us. More of his presence, more of his power, more of his spirit. The word of God is still live over us. These things are for you and they are for your children, declares the Lord. These things are for you and they are for your children. The promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. I wonder this morning if those words create any kind of desire in you at all. Any sense of longing for the things of the kingdom. Any sense of heart for wanting to know the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life and experience. We're going to worship for a few minutes right now. team are going to lead us. I just want to invite you, as we worship, why don't you just pray? Why don't you say, God, as these people are singing around me, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Maybe again, or again, or again, or again. I, I just want to be filled with you. I want to know in a fresh way the moving, the filling of your Spirit in my heart and life. I, I want you, Lord, to give me everything that you want for me. I'm just open for you to pour that out. As, will you stand with me? And you can sing... And if you want to speak in tongues this morning, you've never done it before, worship God. Get that tongue working. And let's see if this morning the, fill, the Spirit of God doesn't fill you and you find yourself speaking in a tongue as you worship. Don't wait with your mouth closed. You have to be speaking and worshipping first, singing and worshipping, and, and then the Holy Spirit just comes and fills and takes over, and, and it's a wonderful thing when He does that. And Maybe if you haven't spoken in tongues for a long time this morning exercise what god has given you but for these few minutes god is here spirit of god is here let's just worship let's be open to the fullness of the spirit in this place today thank you so much we're gonna sing spirit break out break our walls down just make this your prayer